This is Annie Stevens Gleason, Minister for Worship and Incorporation at the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I'd like to welcome you to our worship podcast. This is the Holy Eucharist Rite 2 for September 17, 2023. Good morning. Welcome. Welcome to Church of the Redeemer. It is such a joy and an honor and a privilege to have the opportunity to be with you today, to worship with you today. I'm going to do this taking a breath. You should do it too. We made it. You got here. 
It's been quite a week, but you're here, so this is good. Uh, I want to say a special welcome to those of you who are joining us for the first time or for the first time in a long time. It is so good to have you with us today, and I want to say a welcome to those of you who are joining us online. You didn't get here, but that's okay. We're glad you're with us in this way. It's pretty awesome. So we hope that you can get to know us. Uh, you can find us at redeemer-cincy.org. That's redeemer-cincy with a y.org. You click on the About tab there. You can learn more about us. Contact us, and we can learn more about you and welcome you into our beloved community. I do have a few announcements this morning before we begin. After worship today, there are two options for you. You can, of course, join us for Coffee Hour in the Great Hall if you'd like to socialize and just be. Um, but I also want to let you know that today we begin our fall programming at 10 a.m. for adults. Our fall educate, adult education series begins at the parlor, uh, in the parlor at 10 a.m. inside the Episcopal Mind, a class for the curious. Now, if you've been an Episcopalian for a while, you should know that you are still curious. And this is not just for beginners. This is for all people as we discuss um, what it means for us to engage our faith through this Episcopal lens. That is at 10 a.m. in the parlor. So if you want to take that class and be a part of that, please join us in the parlor at 10. If you're not interested in self-improvement and you just want to hang out, just go to the Great Hall and see some folks and have coffee. But stick around afterwards. It's wonderful. Um, I want to make sure you know that registrations for our upcoming vaccine clinic next Sunday, September 24th, from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., are now live online. They're on the events page of our website, and you can register also via your handy-dandy Church of the Redeemer app, which I am using right now to read the announcements. I have already, through this app, registered my family for our vaccines for next week. Hope that you have the opportunity to do that as well. I want to encourage everyone. Oh, what was I going to tell you? Oh, this. Um, at this time, I would love to invite all preschool to elementary school age children to join us in the chapel for uh, our age-appropriate interactive worship called Donuts and Jesus. Ms. Melanie's right there. She's going to take you, Mother Melanie, and then you go with Melanie, and, uh, there's, and both Donuts and Jesus are waiting in the chapel right now. Uh, and when you will return, you'll return just in time for us to take communion together. I do encourage everyone to download the Church of the Redeemer app. If you have not yet, you just search Redeemer Cincy with a Y in your phone's app store. You can find that for free. And if you have any trouble figuring out how to use it, I am glad to walk you through that. Um, just let me know. These are all the announcements that I think we're going to make today. So I invite you please to stand as you are able. And we'll begin our worship together.
Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Blessed be God's kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear what our Lord Jesus Christ says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. O oh God, because without you we are not able to please you, mercifully grant that your Holy Spirit may in all things direct and rule our hearts through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. A reading from the book of Genesis. Realizing that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers said, what if Joseph still bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong that we did to him? So they approached Joseph saying, your father gave this instruction before he died. Say to Joseph, I beg you, forgive the crime of your brothers and the servants of the God of your father. Oh, forgive the crime of your brothers and the wrong they did in harming you. Now, therefore, please forgive the crime of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also wept, fell down before him and said, we are here as your slaves. But Joseph said to them, 
Do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Even though you intended to do harm to me, God intended it for good in order to preserve a numerous people as he is doing today. So have no fear. I myself will provide for you and your little ones. In this way, he reassured them, speaking kindly to them. The word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. We will continue to sing our psalm together. Um, as a reminder, as you're looking at the psalm, which is on page six, I'll give you a moment to turn to page six in your bulletin. Great. Um, if you see a little vertical dash, that means that we have a change of measure. But most importantly, if you see a bracket, that means that all of the syllables in that bracket are on the same note. So this morning, we'll have you sing 9, 11, and 13, those verses. We'll practice them beforehand, and then we'll do the psalm all the way through. Can you play our tune once for us, Michael, please? The choir is going to sing verse 9, and then we'll sing it together. Sing with us.
reading from the letter of Paul to the Romans. Welcome those who are weak in faith, but not for the purpose of quarreling over opinions. Some believe in eating anything, while the weak eat only vegetables. Those who eat must not despise those who, those who abstain, and those who abstain must not pass judgment on those who eat, for God has welcomed them. Who are you to pass judgment on servants of another? It is before their own Lord that they stand or fall, and they will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Some judge one day to be better than another, while others judge all days to be alike. Let all be fully convinced in their own minds. Those who observe the day observe it in honor of the Lord. All those who eat, eat in honor of the Lord, since they give thanks to God, while those who abstain, abstain in honor of the Lord and give thanks to God. We do not live to ourselves, and we do not die to ourselves. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, so that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother or sister? Or you, why do you despise your brother or sister? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then, each of us will be accountable to God. The word of the Lord. Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Peter came and said to Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? 
Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. Should not you have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The Gospel of our Lord. God, grant us serenity to accept the things that we cannot change, courage to change the things that we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, this is one of my favorite stories that Jesus tells. This is like in my top 10 stories that Jesus tells today. Uh, this, it's, it's a story of forgiveness and what Jesus is working with today is our understanding or our misunderstanding of what forgiveness really is and how forgiveness really works. Before he tells the story, the whole stage is set. Of course, it's framed by Peter approaching him and saying, so Jesus, how often should I actually forgive someone? Up to seven times? And I love this because you can tell that Peter is, is trying. He's trying. 
He's been with Jesus for a little while now. He's starting to understand this whole mercy thing. And, you know, instead of not forgiving anyone at all or only forgiving them once, he's like, I could get up to seven, which if you've ever been around people, that's a pretty high number. Forgiving the same person seven times? I'm like a five tops guy myself, right? So seven? And that's what Peter does. He goes, I'm going to get, and it's, by the way, seven, great biblical number. Like he's really working Jesus here. It's fantastic, right? Could I forgive someone up to seven times? And Jesus looks at him and goes, seven? How about 77? Which is just not fair at all. That's not a number you would have guessed. Um, In fact, I I have a friend who used to say that um, he thinks Jesus picks 77 because that's just too high for you to remember. And so you'll be counting how many times you've forgiven someone and you'll lose count and you have to start all over again. Because that's how Jesus is actually talking about us working. By going from 7 to 77, what Jesus is doing is he's actually trying to destroy our whole way of counting. Trying to destroy the way that we keep count. How we keep score. Because we do that, we'll keep score on people, right? We'll keep score. You never go out with someone for a meal and they'll be like, you know, I'll get you next time. And like, oh, you got this time and I got, and you get, and you watch these, and, or maybe you see, when I was a kid, I used to watch my parents do this with whoever we were out to dinner and they'd fight over it. And it's like, what are y'all doing? Just eat and enjoy each other. Like, no, we've got to each be even. We've got to keep score. Jesus is trying to get rid of that completely. And, and it's not necessarily obvious to us that he's trying to do that by the story that he tells frankly, because of a problem of we don't actually know the the kinds of money that he describes in in his parable. That's not like talents and denarii. That's not things that we understand, okay? So he talks about, and I want you to hear this, the the slave owing the master uh, 10,000 talents. And you're like, ooh, 10,000 bucks sounds like a lot. Well, 10,000 bucks is a lot, except the 10,000 talents is roughly related to $60 million dollars. So the story that Jesus is telling is about a working class guy who owes his boss $60 million. Does that sound a little unreasonable? Yeah, it is. Friends, it's not possible. Jesus is telling a story. Okay? He's telling a story about a person who owes a completely unreasonable and unpayable debt. Impossible. It's such a ridiculous number that when the master says it's time to call to account and pay for it, the servant goes, I'll do whatever I can. I'll work for the rest of my life. I'll pay you back, I swear. And the master's like, (laughs) I mean, no, you won't. You're never going to make $60 million. Are you going to play the lottery? Like, what's your plan? In that moment, the master forgives him. And the point isn't that he forgives a big debt. The point is that he forgives an unforgivable debt. The point isn't that he forgives something that the slave would have to spend the rest of his life trying to pay off. The point is that he's forgiving something the slave will never, ever, in all of history, possibly pay off. It's not possible. That's the point. So this slave is forgiven. And then he turns around. And he's so excited. And he goes out. And in the middle of his excitement, he sees his other slave friend who it says owes him, how many denarii do we remember? A hundred. Well, that sounds like a lot. And you know, it's not, $5,000. Owes him $5,000. That's not small. $5,000. That's not small. It's kind of small compared to $60 million. He's just been forgiven an unforgivable debt 
He has just been forgiven a $60 million debt, and he sees someone who owes him five grand, and he goes, put that guy in jail. It's debtor's prison for him. This is the story Jesus is telling. Is he telling a story of how often we should forgive? Of how many times? No. Is he even telling a story of how big a sin we should forgive? Again, no. Jesus is trying to change our relationship with forgiveness. How do you and I, how do we relate to forgiveness? What is our relationship with forgiveness? How do we understand it? He recognizes that most of us keep score. We think of forgiveness as an isolated event where someone does a wrong thing and if it wasn't too bad and if they ask for forgiveness and if they're willing to make amends and if they grovel just right, then I will say the magic words, I forgive you. Don't do it too many times though. Only 77 times will I forgive you. You get to 78 and you and I are through. Jesus is working in a different level here. He's trying to change the way we understand our relationship with forgiveness. I remember uh, the first time I ever went and took confession myself. I didn't know if you knew this, but Episcopalians, actually, we do have the right of reconciliation or confession. It's not required, so none of you ever do it. But you could. You could. Here's a little advertisement. You could. And, um, and here's the thing. I was like, I'm in seminary. I'm going to be a priest. I'm going to possibly take somebody's confession. I should probably confess at some point. And, uh, and I found this church, and I went to this priest, and I said I wanted to do confession. And he said, all right, here's, have you ever done it before? And I said, no. And he said, well, I want you to go home, and I want you to write down every single thing that you can think of in your life that you want to be forgiven for. Anybody who's done the 12 steps and taking your inventory, it was similar to that which is to say it was dreadful and awful. It's like the opposite of Christmas list, like the worst list you could ever make, right? I never want to write this list. Do you know what's worse than writing a list of all the things you want forgiveness for? Reading it out loud in front of another human being. It's awful. And I remember I thought writing it was bad. I went back to see this priest and I sat down with him. And he had his little purple stole on and we were all set up in the like sort of confessional style and, and I started to, and he said go ahead and I start to read the list can you for a moment just think about um, like one of the you don't even have to if you can't imagine the worst thing what's the worst thing you remember doing you can just think it don't worry I will not make you say it out loud just now imagine if you were sitting in front of someone and you had to just say it The reason it feels so hard is because we're not actually sure we're forgiven. It's not just that it's embarrassing or humiliating. It's that deep down there's still shame within us that holds us and tells us, if someone heard this out loud, if God heard me say this out loud, you would finally be held accountable. I thought, I'm going to say a couple of these things, 
And he's going to stand up and say, get out! I thought I was going to be able to forgive you today, but I can't. May the Lord have mercy on your soul, but I won't. But I read through my list, and it was like I was reading a grocery list to this guy. And when I was done, he was like, okay, anything else? I was like, are you serious? Anything else? Yeah, anything else? No, that's it. And we prayed together, and he, in Jesus' name, absolved me of my sins. And it was powerful because I went, oh, I said the thing out loud. I spoke out loud about who I am and the things that I've done, and I am still loved, and I am still cared for. And friends, I don't know that we all believe that about ourselves. I don't know that we fully understand that we are actually genuinely forgiven. Y'all think about it. If the story of Jesus never escaped Jerusalem, if the Roman soldiers had gone up and rounded up all of the apostles the day after Jesus' resurrection and slaughtered them all and we didn't have any of the stories of Jesus, we didn't have any of the Gospels, you would still be forgiven today. If none of us even knew about Christ, you would still be forgiven today because of the work that God has done. God has forgiven us. This is a true thing about who we are. It is as foundational to us as anything. We are utterly and completely forgiven. Can we act like it? Because forgiveness is not just a moment in time. It is a process. It is actually, forgiveness is a way in which we view the world. The way we live in the world. Forgiveness is not about how you choose to deal with one person. Forgiveness is about how you live in this world. This is why this servant in this story, he doesn't understand forgiveness. Because he's not able to see the person who's, who owes him anything. He's not able to see him the same way that his master has seen him. He still looks around and is counting the cost. He still looks around and is taking score. Jesus is trying to obliterate the score taking, the scorekeeping. Jesus is trying to get us out of the mindset of saying, this is how many times I will forgive you and not one more time. And Jesus is drawing us into a place of consistent, of active love and mercy with the people with whom we share this life. See, I used to think that um, everybody was good. Like, all people were good. Everybody's, everybody, in, deep down, everybody's good. Friends, I don't believe that anymore, at all. I also don't believe that everyone's rotten. And I was like, there is this sort of, if you go through sort of Christian education, there are different kinds of approaches, and some people will say that, you know, um, uh, that, that people are fundamentally corrupt. I mean, there are whole swaths of Christian theology that say people come out of the womb just destined for hell because we're rotten at the core. And the counter to that is, no, 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 we're all holy and wonderful. And the truth is, neither of those things are real. The reality is, we are good and bad. We are beautiful and ugly. Not, I don't mean like good people over here and bad people over here. I mean, each one of us has such beauty and love inside of us, and we also carry within us so much fear and hatred. We have pettiness and, and generosity, both within us at the same time. We have amazing hopes and we have deep anxieties. We are complicated people. 
And amidst all of this, one of the deepest anxieties we carry is that if someone were to see the truth of who we are, we would not be loved. We would not be accepted. We believe we are unforgiven. And this affects how we treat each other. Because we cannot accept our own forgiveness, we find it difficult to forgive others. We think it's our job to hold them accountable. And our relationship with the truth is skewed. You know, the last few uh, years we've been doing this work in the church, Becoming Beloved Community, uh, this work of um, focusing on racial justice and healing and reconciliation. And, and some people are just like, maybe if I ignore it, he'll stop talking about it, <laughs> and I won't. Um, but the thing is, that I find interesting is when we invite people to take some of these uh, classes or programs, some people will do it, some people won't, but some people will say, uh, oh great, like you just want me to go and feel guilty. I'm not really interested in going and being made to feel guilty about who I am. Isn't it amazing that we think that telling the truth about who we are is supposed to make us feel guilty? Isn't that fascinating? That we actually think that if we're confronted with ugly truths about ourselves, about our history, about things we might be involved in in any way, we go, well, that's just there to make me feel guilty. Where is the forgiveness in our hearts? Do we not understand that even in our own ignorance and in our own complicity with evil, we are forgiven? We are loved by the God who will not let us go. If we could believe that, imagine the truths about ourselves we could face. If we could believe that we are loved immeasurably and unconditionally by the God who knows the darkest parts of our hearts, if we could believe that, how would we operate differently in this world? Our relationship with the truth, our relationship with our God, our relationships with one another. You all owe God $60 million. No, you don't. Any, it's, it's gone. Any debt you might think you owe, anything you think is standing between you and the God who made you has been erased, blotted out, obliterated. You belong to God. To believe that will change the way you love this world. In Jesus' name.
We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, she is worshipped and glorified. She has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, we look, we look for the, the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Through all our hearts and minds, let us pray to God, responding, God of love, hear our prayer. We pray that your love will find a way to heal our wounded world and guide our nation and leaders to a path of justice and peace. Help us to know Jesus and grow in love. United in relationships of holy connection and communion, we share a heart with those who feel separated or cast out for any reason. Help us reach out in love. We pray for this beloved community in the spirit growing with all people. Help us make it safe for all who live to with integrity and for all who live in peace. Inspiring us through our church, through scripture, through the word made flesh in Jesus, and through the sacraments, help us to deepen your relationship with you. Pray for people and places that long for relief from suffering. Paul and John Crouch, Tom Hill, Tim Hogan, Terry Mahalchik, Ryan Patel, Paul Rogers, Helen Stevens Gleason and presiding bish michael curry lynn sajak for those who are struggling with mental health concerns 
to those around the world affected by disasters, especially the victims of the flooding in Libya and the earthquake in Morocco, for those around the world affected by war and conflict, especially the people of Ukraine and Sudan, for the victims of mass shooting throughout the last week in El Paso, Texas, Jackson, Mississippi, Dallas, Texas, Rock Hill, South Carolina, Chicago, Illinois, Jersey City, New Jersey, Indianapolis, Indiana, Detroit, Michigan, Palm Bay, Florida, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and those we name now silently or loud. God, remind us that we are not alone. We give thanks for all the moments of grace that sustain us, including the marriage of Christina Duffy and Jeff Cranville, in those we name and now silently or loud. Your love and grace abound. Give us eyes to see your goodness in the world around us. God of we pray for those who have died, remembering Jim Garvey and those we name now silently or loud. Comfort those who grieve. Almighty God, giver of everly good gift, look graciously on your church and so guide the minds of those who shall choose a bishop for the diocese, so that we may receive a faithful pastor who will care for your people and equip us for our ministries. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. God of love, send us into the world rooted and grounded in love to serve all, people with humility, compassion, and faithfulness. Almighty God, by your Holy Spirit, you have made us one with your saints in heaven and on earth. Grant that in our earthly pilgrimage, we may always be supported by their fellowship of love and prayer, and know ourselves to be surrounded by their witness to your love, power, and mercy. We ask this for the sake of Jesus Christ, in whom all our intercessions are acceptable through the Spirit, and who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. 
Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. And now it's time for our communion. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who on the first day of the week overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. Therefore we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. Gracious Father, in your infinite love you made us for yourself. And when we had fallen into sin and become subject to evil and death, you in your mercy sent Jesus Christ, your only and eternal Son, to share our human nature, to live and die as one of us, to reconcile us to you, the God and Father of all. He stretched out his arms upon the cross and offered himself in obedience to your will, a perfect sacrifice for the whole world. On the night he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. And when he had given thanks to you, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup of wine, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. We celebrate the memorial of our redemption, O Father, in this sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, recalling his death resurrection and ascension, we offer you these gifts. Sanctify them by your Holy Spirit to be for your people the body and blood of your Son, the holy food and drink of new and unending life in him. Sanctify us also that we may faithfully receive this holy sacrament and serve you in unity, constancy, and peace. And at the last day, bring us with all your saints into the joy of your eternal kingdom. All this we ask through your Son, Jesus Christ, by him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Alleluia. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. The gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. The body of Christ, the bread of heaven. The body of Christ, the bread of heaven. Shall we eat among? Blood of Christ, the cup of salvation. The body of Christ, the bread of heaven. The body of Christ, the bread of heaven.
Let us pray. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you this day and always. Amen. Amen. Let us go forth in the name of Christ. Thanks be to God. <laughs>